Hi, my name is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast of the New Testament. I'll be using as the text the King James Version, along with the Joseph Smith Translation. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll also be using quotes from general authorities of the Church, the Apostles and Prophets, and BYU professors and others, and uh, every word out of the Scriptures themselves. So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you've come to the right place. Welcome. Hi there. Welcome back. This will be for Romans chapter 8. I'll read the heading. Law of Christ brings life and peace. Those adopted as sons of God become joint heirs with Christ. God's elect are foreordained to eternal life, and Christ makes intercession for man. Verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of life might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. Neil A. Maxwell said, If one minds the things of the flesh, he cannot have the mind of Christ, because his thought patterns are far from Jesus, as are the desires or the intents of his heart. Ironically, if the master is a stranger to us, then we will merely end up serving other masters. The sovereignty of these other masters is real, even if it sometimes is subtle, for they do call their cadence. Actually, we are all enlisted, if only in the ranks of the indifferent. Verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. The Greek, uh, translated as carnally minded, literally means the mind of the flesh. Verse 7, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. And as Mosiah, or as King Benjamin said, For the natural man is an enemy to God, and has been from the fall of Adam, and will be forever and ever, unless he yields to the, tempta- or to the enticings of the Holy Spirit and putteth off the natural man, and becometh a saint through the atonement of Christ the Lord, and becometh as a child submissive, meek, humble, patient, full of love, willing to submit to all things which the Lord seeth fit to inflict upon him, even as a child doth submit to his father. Verse 8, So then, they that are after the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, if it so be that the Spirit of God or that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of, it, none of his. Mr. McConkie said, in the full and eternal sense, even in the true church, only those saints who enjoy the companionship of the Spirit belong to the Lord. They are the only ones who are the Lord's people in the sense of gaining salvation. Joseph Smith said, if any man has not the testimony of Jesus or the Spirit of God, he is none of his, namely Christ, and if not his, he must be damned. Verse 10, and if Christ be in you, though the body shall die because of sin, yet the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken you, quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh unto sin, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live unto Christ. Mortify is a simple Greek word meaning put to death. So Paul is asking the Roman saints to destroy their evil works as a condition of living in God's kingdom. That was by Richard Anderson. Verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. In one sense, the sons of God are the, are the Spirit offspring of the Father. 
the ones who shouted for joy when the foundations of the earth were laid, not in a more particular and express sense, they are the ones who accept Christ and his laws and press forward in devotion to truth and righteousness, living by every word that proceedeth forth from the mouth of God, until they become new creatures of the Holy Ghost and are thus spiritually begotten of God. They become by adoption the children of Christ, his sons and his daughters, and also through him they are begotten sons and daughters unto his Father. Those who receive the gospel and join the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints have power given them to become the sons of God. Sonship does not come from church membership alone, but admission into the church opens the door to such high status if it is followed by continued faith and devotion. Verse 15, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The adopted sons and daughters in the family of the Eternal Father are privileged to address him as the ruler of the universe in this intimate way. In other words, Abba means Papa or Daddy. Verse 16, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be it that we suffer with him, that we may also that we may be also glorified together. Elder McConkie said, A joint heir is one who inherits equally with all other heirs, equally or including the chief heir, who is the son. Each joint heir has an, has an equal and undivided portion of the whole of everything. If one knows all things, so do all others. If one has all power, so do all those who inherit jointly with him. If the universe belongs to one, so it does equally to the total of all upon whom the joint inheritances are bestowed. In other words, we become equal with Christ. Joseph Smith taught that this requires the full ordinances of the gospel. All men who become heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ will have to receive the fullness of the ordinances of his kingdom, and those who will not receive all the ordinances will come short of the fullness of that glory, if they do not lose the whole. Joseph Smith also taught that to be an heir is to become as God, but they shall be heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. What is it? to inherit the same power, the same glory, and the same exaltation until you arrive at the station of a God and ascend the throne of the eternal powers and the same as those who have gone before. This adoption ought to be looked for with great anticipation by every one of God's children, for all have lost their heirship. But through the atonement of Jesus Christ, all may be heirs again. When fully understood, one would suffer much to receive heirship with God. Latter-day Saints regard Jesus Christ as the firstborn spirit, child of God the Father, and the only begotten of the Father in the flesh. Because of this priority, he is the natural heir of the Father. Through strict obedience to the Father's will, progressing from grace to grace, by obeying the gospel and its ordinances and making the infinite atonement, Jesus became the Savior of all mankind and also heir to all that the Father has. Those who accept Jesus Christ as their Redeemer, repent of their sins, obey the ordinances of the gospel, and live in willing obedience with the Holy Spirit as their guide, can also become heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. In the eternities, they can inherit the same truth, power, wisdom, glory, and exaltation possessed by God the Father and by the Son. That was out of the Encyclopedia of Mormonism. In section 84, we, we read, for, uh, for whoso is faithful unto the obtaining these two priesthoods of which I have spoken, and the magnifying their calling, are sanctified by the Spirit unto the renewing of their bodies. They become the sons of Moses and of Aaron, and the seed of Abraham, and the children and kingdom, and the, the elect of God. And also, all they who receive this priesthood receive me, saith the, saith the Lord. For he that receiveth my servants receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth my Father. And he that receiveth my Father receiveth my Father's kingdom. Therefore, all that my Father hath shall be given unto him. And this is according to the oath and covenant which belongeth to the priesthood. 
Therefore, all those who receive the priesthood receiveth the oath and covenant of my Father, which he cannot break, neither can it be moved. So everything that, that uh, Jesus receives, we can receive also as joint heirs with him. Verse 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be named with the glory which shall be revealed in us or to us. For the earnest expectation to the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to tribulation, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected it in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what is what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? This adoption applies to all mankind, not just to the Jews. Elder McConkie explained, by the law of adoption, those who receive the gospel and obey its laws, no matter that what their literal blood lineage may, may have been, are adopted into the lineage of Abraham. The effect of the Holy Ghost upon a Gentile, the prophet says, is to purge out the old blood and make him actually of the seed of Abraham. Such a person has a new creation by the Holy Ghost. Those who magnify their callings in the Melchizedek priesthood are promised that they will be sanctified by the Spirit under the renewing of their bodies. They become the sons of Moses and of Aaron in the seed of Abraham. Indeed, the faithful are adopted to the family of Christ. They become the children of Christ, his sons and his daughters. They are spiritually begotten, for their hearts are changed through faith on his name, thus being born of him, becoming his sons and his daughters. Paul explained the doctrine of adoption by saying, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, because they receive the Spirit of adoption, being or becoming Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption. Verse 25, But if we hope for that we see not, then with patience we do wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we shall pray for what we should pray for as we ought but the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered gene r cook said when you are attempting to to obtain answers to your prayers and to be directed by the lord you need to learn to follow the promptings of the spirit those promptings will help you know what the lord requires of you as you seek the blessing they will help you know what to pray for and where to go from there the Spirit's promptings will also tell you as you go along how much more faith you may need to exercise in order to accomplish your desire. You may have promptings telling you what you need to repent of, how to draw closer to the Lord, specific steps toward the blessing, and so forth. In some, the Lord will guide you through the experience if you will seek to follow the promptings he gives you. Verse 27, And he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is, what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the who are the called according to his purpose. Neil Maxwell said, The more we contemplate God's character, the more we understand that the God who watches over Israel does not sleep, nor does he slumber. If there are if there are what appear to be to us to be ambiguities and perplexities, God has long beforehand taken all these into account. He has made ample provision for his purposes to be achieved fully. We will not be exempted from these uncertainties, however, nor will we always see the end from the beginning. But knowing adequately of the divine character and plans, we can proceed anyway. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Verse 29, for him whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Now the translation here is appointed beforehand or foreordained 
to be conformed to or to have the same form as his own image, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. It is true that the words predestinate and predestinated are found in the King James Version of some of Paul's writings, but biblical revisions use the, the words foreordain and foreordain, which more accurately convey Paul's views. However, even as the King James Version renders the passages, there is no intimation of any compulsion or denial of free agency. One of the dictionary definitions of foreordination is predestination, meaning the prior appointment in pre-existence of particular persons to perform designated labors or gain particular rewards. That's why Bruce Armacon. <clears throat> Verse 30. Moreover, him whom he did predestinate, him, all, him he also called, and him whom he called, him he also sanctified, and him whom he sanctified, him he also glorified. About this matter of foreordination, the prophet Joseph Smith taught that every man who has a calling to minister to the inhabitants of the world was ordained to that very purpose in the grand council of heaven before this world was. So likewise, declared the apostle Paul, for whom he did foreknow, them he also called. But do not misunderstand such, that such a calling and such foreordination predetermine what, what you must do. A prophet on this western continent has spoken plainly on this subject being called and prepared from the foundation of the world according to the foreknowledge of God on account of their exceeding faith and good works in the first place being left to choose good or evil. This last passage makes the others pre preceding more understandable. God may have called and chosen men in the spirit world or in their first estate to do a certain work, but whether they will accept that call here, magnify it by faithful service and good works while in mortality is a matter in which it is their right and privilege to exercise their free agency to choose good or evil. That was by Harold B. Lee. Verse 31, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can prevail against us? Jeffrey R. Holland said, Christ and his angels and his prophets forever labor to buoy up our spirits, steady our nerves, calm our hearts, send us forth with renewed strength and resolute hope. They wish all to know that if God be for us, who can be against us? In the world we shall have tribulation, but we are to be of good cheer. Christ has overcome the world. 32, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, rather, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even on the right hand of God, at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heights, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So there's nothing that can come between us and our God. It's just us that may be, may be distant from him. Anyway, that's the end of the chapter, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.